O Lord, we ask that our cry of help would come before you so that you send the Holy Spirit to us now and give us understanding according to your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been studying Micah for a couple of weeks now, this Old Testament prophet who pronounced great judgment upon the people of God. We've been seeing how he's been confronting them about their sin and how they have even responded by telling him not to preach. But he continues to preach. And in verse 12 of chapter 2, we actually see a different tone coming through from the prophet. He's been speaking about the judgment and the sins of the people and the judgment that they deserve for those sins. But here he has a message of hope in verses 12 and 13. What is this message of hope? Well, it's that God will shepherd his sheep. Look with me at Micah chapter 2, verse 12. If you've got a Bible there, it'd be handy to have it open at page 920, if you've got a church one, looking at this passage together with me. Micah chapter 2, verse 12, we read, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. This is the Lord speaking. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. The Lord is going to gather his sheep. He's going to be their shepherd. And he's going to gather them together and protect them. We see that. They'll be like sheep in a pen. They will be protected. And he will pasture them. He will feed them. We see that in verse 12 as well, like a flock in its pasture. He will gather them together to look after them, to protect them and to pasture them, make sure they have plenty to eat. Now, how does the Lord going to do this? Well, it's by being a breaker. And we see that in verse 13. One who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through them before them, through before them, the Lord at their head. Uh, the, ver, the, the word at the beginning of verse 13 there is translated in our uh, NIV translated here as the one who breaks. But it could actually be translated, as the NASB has, the New American Standard has, or the KJV as the breaker. There's this one who is called by God the breaker. And he is going to do what? He's going to open a way for the trapped sheep. The sheep are in some sort of danger, and the breaker is going to come through. He's going to break through the wall, and he is going to have the sheep flood in after him. And that is what is being described there in verse 13. Now, who is this breaker? Well, it's the Lord himself. It's the same as the, the shepherd. So we understand this is how he protects his sheep. By getting them out of danger, he breaks through the wall and brings them into safe pasture. And we see that in verse 13. It says in the second part there, their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. It is God himself who is this breaker. Now, is this true? Did God protect Israel? Did he look after his sheep? Did he break them out of danger? The answer is yes. Again and again, we see the Lord being the breaker who frees his trapped sheep from danger. I mean, you can go back in before the time of Micah and see uh, one of the most marvelous ways that he broke the chains that were on Israel, and that is, of course, in Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt, and what happened? The Lord broke them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. It was single-handedly done by God. With all the plagues that came upon Pharaoh, he broke them out of Egypt. And he would break them out in future times as well. Before, after Micah, of course, he was warning them about the Assyrians who would come down and besiege even Jerusalem itself. And what happened? We know that God broke the Israelites out 
of the siege of the Assyrians around Jerusalem. He broke them out of Jerusalem. How? By sending an angel of the Lord who over, in one night killed 185,000 Assyrians. He broke them out. And so some commentators think that that is what is being referred to here in verse 13. It's to the deliverance of Israel from the Assyrian uh, siege that was made around Jerusalem. But of course, it could also refer to another great deliverance that was to come after the time of Micah, and that is the deliverance from Babylon. We understand after the Assyrians came through, then the Babylonians came through, and they deported a whole bunch of Israelites into exile in Babylon. Did the Israelites get to come back from Babylon? Yes. How? Because God broke them out. He changed the king's heart, Cyrus, so that he would let them go home. And you can read of the great deliverance in Ezra and Nehemiah. Single-handedly, just he allowed them to go home. And it was all because of God breaking them out of Babylon. And this stands in great contrast to other breakers, other leaders, who are then outlined for us in chapter 3. The Lord is described so wonderfully in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 2, but then in chapter 3 we see how, they, how the Lord compares to the other leaders of Israel. What do we read about these other leaders in Israel? What do they do? Well, they break the sheep instead of the wall or the gate that they need to get through. We read that in verses 1 and 3, uh, 1 to 3 of chapter 3. We read, then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, should you not know justice, you who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. That's what the shepherds are doing of Israel. They are, instead of protecting the sheep, they're chopping up the sheep. They're breaking the sheep rather than breaking away for the sheep to get out of danger. They are the danger themselves to the sheep. And what is the consequence of these, uh, these other breakers, these leaders of Israel? Well, it means that the people who've been trusting in them, they cannot pray to God. Their, their prayers are ineffective. We read that in verse 4. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. Prayer will be ineffective because of these breakers, these other breakers. And the word of God will be hindered. We see that uh, the, the prophets will no longer be able to speak on behalf of God. In verse 6, verse 6 of chapter 3, Therefore night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces. Why? Because there is no answer from God. There is no answer from God. So their prayers will be ineffective and God will not give them a word. And of course, they will fleece the sheep, as we see in verse 11. Verse 11, her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. What do these other breakers do, these other leaders of Israel? They break the sheep. They chop them up. They hinder their prayers, they cut off God's word, and they fleece them for all they've got. They take their money and then they are destroyed. And this is the same today. This is true today. God is shepherd and he still gathers and protects his sheep. He gathers his flock and protects them and pastures them. What is the safe pasture that we're considering today? As we look at this passage, what is the great safe pasture for the sheep? 
Well, it's heaven itself. Heaven is the great pasture that humanity looks forward. That will be the place where there is protection, where there is food for all eternity. And are we in that safe pasture now? No, we recognise we're not. We're in the dungeon of this world, aren't we? Where there's pain and there's suffering. This world is not heaven. People like to think that it might be and that they can have heaven here on earth. But it's not. Heaven is where God dwells. And why are we not in heaven now? Why can't we go immediately to heaven? What separates us from heaven? Well, it's our sin. Our sin has separated us from God. Our sin has put a veil between us and heaven or a wall between us and God and his heavenly place. In Isaiah 59 verse 2 we read, But your iniquities, that's our sin, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We are separated from God. Why? Because of our sin. Why does our sin cut us off from heaven? Because heaven is a holy place. It is a place of purity. It is where God in all his holiness dwells. If we in our sin go to heaven... Heaven will no longer be heaven. It will not be a safe place. That's why we don't have heaven here on earth is because we sin against one another. We hurt one another. And so this is not heaven. And if we were to go to heaven in our sin, of course, we would cause heaven no longer to be a holy place, a place of protection, a place of goodness, because we would continue to take advantage of one another. How big is the wall that separates us between, is between us and God? How big is this wall of sin? Well, it's massive. It's got plank upon plank upon plank of this wall. It is a massive wall because our sin overlays it. What sort of sin are we talking about? Well, of course, our sin against our neighbour, our fellow man. They separate us. They cut us off from God. What sort of sins do we commit against our fellow neighbour? Well, it all starts with the disobedience to parents, doesn't it? And continues with disobedience to authorities. Continues with anger and violence and sexual sin and theft and lies and greed. All these sins are like planks that continue to build a wall between us and God. And of course, our sin against God adds planks to that wall as well. Our pride, where we like to exalt ourselves instead of God. Our false worship, our blasphemy towards God. And of course, the biggest beam of all in that wall is our unbelief. Our unbelief in God cuts us off from heaven itself, the pasture that we would love to be a part of. But what does God the breaker do? What does God the breaker do? Well, he chose to be born in this dungeon, this world. He chose to be born here and he lived a sinless life. He never added a single plank to the wall of sin that cuts us off from God. And then what did he do? Jesus broke a hole through that wall. He broke a way through the wall. He smashed through the wall of the sins of his sheep. He smashed through it. He is the breaker who is described there in verse 13. One who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them. The Lord at their head. That is what Jesus did. He broke through the wall of sin. A Christ-shaped doorway was made in the wall of sin so that his people could escape into heaven. But we have to understand that that escape came at a price. What was the price? Well, Jesus, the breaker, he died in the process of breaking a hole through that wall of sin. He was broken. The breaker was broken himself by his sufferings. 
by his sufferings in his body and soul for sin. At the cross so many years ago, we see there the breaker being broken so that an access can be made, a way can be made to heaven. But he was successful. His death does not show that he was unsuccessful. No, the death shows that he paid the penalty that we deserve for our sin. We deserve to have the wall collapse upon us, but instead of it collapsing upon us, it collapses upon Jesus Christ. And the result then is, is that Christ and his sheep are able to pour into safe pasture. What's that safe pasture again? Heaven itself. We're able to pass through into heaven. Jesus first and the rest follow into that safe pasture with Jesus at the head. You say, but how is that possible? Didn't Jesus die? How is he able to pass through into the safe pasture? Well, Jesus did die, but he was also resurrected from the dead. Remember, he is God himself. This breaker is no ordinary breaker. He's not like the breaker of the nations or of the Israelites. He is the breaker who is the son of God. And so he was resurrected And so he passes through into heaven as the firstborn from the dead. And his people then follow him. So what does this mean for humans? The way to heaven through the wall of sin is opened. There's a way that's been opened through the wall of sin. We can be safe from all our enemies, including our own sinful selves. Do you see yourself as an enemy of yourself? We can get through that hole in the wall and one day be saved even from ourselves, our sinful selves who hurt ourselves so much. And we'll be well fed in the presence of the king himself. The king passes through at our head and we'll be well fed for all eternity. Now, do all in the prison of this world automatically get to go through that hole into heaven? Do they follow Christ through the hole? No, many don't. Many do not. What do they do instead? Well, they try to be the breaker. They try to be the breaker. They try to pull planks off the wall themselves. They try to overcome their sin and say, I deserve heaven because I've dealt with sin myself. I've broken a way through. But what do they do? They simply add more sin to the wall. Every day, keep on sinning. And even their efforts to pull planks off that wall of sin are sin in itself because they're trying by their own efforts And they're thinking, oh, good on me. And they're proud of their efforts to overcome their sin, which is sin in itself as well. Or they don't trust in themselves as a breaker. They trust in someone else, which is what the Israelites were doing. They were trusting in other breakers. Political leaders and judges are an example that are given there in verse 11 of chapter 3. Her leaders judge for a bribe and her priests teach for a price and her prophets tell fortunes for money. The leaders... And the judges are there, and leaders and judges still today are people that the people of this world trust in as their breakers. Political leaders will say, I can be your breaker. I can give you heaven. I can give you heaven even here on earth. I can save you from viruses and from illnesses, and you'll be safe if you just vote for me. And I will give you money, plenty of money to spend so that you will have the food that you need and the pleasures that you desire, and we can have heaven here on earth. They claim to be the breakers, that they'll break down all the problems of sin in this world and give you safe harbour here. Or it's religious leaders. They're the ones that are also described there in verse 11. Her leaders judge for a bribe and her priests teach for a price and her prophets tell fortunes for money. There are people who say, I can break a hole in that wall of sin 
that doesn't include Christ Jesus. Religious leaders come along and say, I can help you out. If you trust in me as your breaker, if you trust in Muhammad as your breaker, if you trust in Krishna as your breaker, if you trust in the Buddha as your breaker, if you trust in Joseph Smith as your breaker, we will break a hole in that wall of sin for you. And they even say, God is with us, as the leaders did there in verse 11 so many years ago. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. They will say they come from God. Yes, 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 we're from the Lord. Trust in us rather than Christ. But what is the result of trusting in such leaders as your breaker? Well, it's what's described there in in chapter 3. They'll fleece you of your money. Verse 11. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. They'll take your money. Oh, yes, they'll take your resources. The political leaders will take your vote plus your taxes. The religious leaders, they will take your allegiance and any money they can get from you. They will fleece you as their sheep. And they will add planks to your wall of sin because they're dragging you away from Christ and encouraging you in your unbelief. And what is the final result of ignoring Christ's way and adding planks to the wall of sin? Well, it's a transfer from the prison of this world to the prison called hell, where breakers are truly broken, where breakers are truly broken, false breakers are truly broken, where your flesh is torn, as it describes so terribly there in verse 2 of chapter 3, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. That is the result of those who trust in false breakers. And God will not hear your cry. That's what happens there. We see there in verse 4, those who trusted in false leaders. God does not hear their cry. And you don't hear God's voice. You're cut off from God. It's a great privilege that we can call upon the name of the Lord in this world. And he does hear us if we come to him in Christ Jesus. And it's a great privilege in this world that we can hear the voice of God. But in hell, we'll be cut off from the presence of God in that sense. That he will not listen to our cries for mercy. And he will not, we will not hear his voice. You thought you were broken in this world because of pain and suffering. Hell will break you for all eternity. Hell will break you for all eternity. Is that you? Are you for the pot? Are you going to be broken because you or others are trying to be your breaker? You're not trusting in Christ as your breaker. Instead, you're trusting in yourself or others. And so you are going to be broken. Come to Christ. Listen to his words even now. We had them read for us before from John chapter 10. Turn with me there again. John chapter 10, which is page 1062. 1062, we'll read from verse 7, John chapter 10, verse 7, where the Lord Jesus says, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Christ is the way. Christ is the gate. Everyone else who promises you a way to heaven apart from Christ is just a thief and a robber and trying to take advantage of you. And that may include yourself. If you're trying to get to heaven by your own merits, you're trying to be the breaker. 
And what are you then? You're a thief and a robber. And you're only stealing your soul so that it suffers for all eternity. Listen to Christ's words. Ask Christ to break you down. Break down your pride by the Spirit now. Humble yourself before God, before you're broken for eternity. Do you see the choice that's before you? Either you have a breaker other than Christ and a broken for eternity. Or Christ is your breaker. He was broken in your place in order to make a hole in the wall of sin. And he will break you down now in your pride, even possibly in bodily pain, but not for eternity. So that you are not broken for eternity. The life of a Christian here, it can be a time of suffering and breaking down. And you have to be broken down in one sense in that your pride has to be humbled. But it's so that you are not broken for all of eternity. Repent of trusting yourself or others to be the breaker and to give you safe pasture. Even their promises of giving you safe pasture in this world. Trust in Christ as a breaker who is broken through the wall of sin and alone gives you safe pasture in heaven. But you may say, aren't my sins too many or too serious? Isn't my wall too thick for Christ to break through it? my wall of sin. It doesn't matter about the quality or the quantity of your sin. Jesus breaks through all your sins, little and big, when you accept his offer of salvation. Trust in Jesus. Have a humble heart and then enjoy life to the full. Even now, even as you may go through pain and suffering and feel the weight of your sin upon you, you can have a joyous life knowing that Christ has forgiven your sin. And you have eternal life in him even now. Trust in the Lord Jesus and Psalm 23 will apply to you. That psalm that we just sang can be said of us. You shall not be in want. He will make you lie down in green pastures. He will lead you beside quiet waters. He will restore your soul. He will guide you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Put yourself in the breaker's hands today. If you've never done it before, put yourself in the breaker's hands and sing that great hymn written by Budry, Thine be the glory. No more we doubt thee, glorious prince of life. Life is naught without thee. Aid us in our strife. Make us more than conquerors through thy deathless love. Lead us in thy triumph to thy home above. Thine be the glory, risen conquering Son. Endless is the victory thou, O death, hast won. He's won victory for you. If you trust in Christ Jesus, he's won victory for you over the wall of sin and death that you deserve. Now, some of you may say this morning, no, 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 I'm not behind that wall of sin. I'm not behind that wall of sin anymore. But what about your secret sins? Your secret sins the ones you're not dealing with, the ones you're not repentant of, the ones you're quite content to be a part of your life. Don't those unrepentant sins indicate that you're still behind the wall of sin, that you haven't passed through with Jesus Christ? Don't those sins show that you trust in yourself and your opinion of those sins, that they don't need to be dealt with or other breakers to deal with those sins? Otherwise, wouldn't you have repented of those sins and be struggling against them? John gives us strict warnings about unrepentant sins. Not in John's Gospel, but in 1 John. Turn with me there now, 1 John chapter 2. It's found on page 
1,207. 1,207. I'm delighted that we're going to start, we've started studying 1 John at our Bible studies together. 1 John chapter 2, because it speaks so clearly of the way that we need to be repentant of our sins to show that we are indeed through that wall of sin. 1 John chapter 2, reading from verse 1, page 1,207, 1207. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone, anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. See how he's clearly put forward there as the breaker of all sin. But verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Must walk as Jesus did. If you're not walking as Jesus did, fear that you may not have trusted in Jesus as your breaker. Fear that you have not trusted in Jesus as your breaker. Remember false breakers. They hate good and love evil. We saw that in verse 2 of Micah chapter 3. Is that you? Are you simply adding more planks to your wall rather than actually passing through the wall of sin by Christ Jesus? Don't risk it. Come to Christ now, even if you thought you were a Christian before. We heard that testimony from William before. There was a time in his life when he was younger where he thought he became a Christian. He may well have. There's also sin that he had to deal with later on in life. Don't rely on some experience you had when you were younger and then you look at your life now and you see that you've got lots of unrepentant sin there. Don't think, oh yes, I'm saved, of course, because of what happened to me before. And that sin now, it doesn't really count. No, don't risk it. Don't risk being broken for eternity. Come to Christ now. Trust in him. Use that unrepentant in your sin in your life to point you to Christ. And the way through that wall of sin by repentance and faith in him. Now, if you are repentant of your sin and you are trusting in Christ Jesus as your breaker, what should you do? What should we do for those who are clearly ones who trust in the Lord Jesus as a breaker? Well, we should give him the glory. We should give God the glory. The only reason we have eternal life is why? Because of God's grace in becoming the breaker in this world and then breaking away through that wall of sin so that we have eternal life. Wasn't it all glory to God in the gates that he broke down in history? You look at Egypt when the Israelites come out. Was it by their own strength that they were brought out of Egypt? No, it was by God's mighty arm. So God gets the glory for the deliverance from Egypt, for the exodus. What about when the Assyrian army was taken away in its siege against Jerusalem? Was it the Israelites who were so powerful? No, it was God who got the glory. He sent the angel of the Lord who destroyed 185,000 soldiers in one night. All glory to him. What about when the Babylonians released the Israelites so they could go back to the land of Israel? It was all Cyrus by God's mighty hand using him as his servant. So all glory went to God. Isn't it the same with our deliverance through sin? The great exodus the even greater exodus of deliverance from bondage to sin and bondage to death and bondage to Satan. We're delivered from them 
and can go home to heaven. And so, of course, he deserves the glory. None of our sins are overcome by us. Not a single one. From the smallest lie to the greatest act of violence, not a single one is overcome by us. Our salvation from the prison of sin and hell is all of Christ Jesus. We walk into eternal life over Christ's broken body, the breaker's broken body. And our pride, if it's broken down and we accept Christ, it's all by the Holy Spirit. It's all by the Holy Spirit sent by our breaker. And as we follow the breaker home, he is the one who is risen and leads us in his triumph. He goes first before us, even in our triumph to heaven. He is the one who goes before He is the one who starts our journey. He is the one who ends our journey. And so we deserve, he deserves from us to give him the glory. We should give him the glory. We should sing Crosby's hymn with joy in our hearts, knowing it's all of God's grace. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gates. Open the life gates that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Let's come to him in prayer now. Let's pray. Oh, we praise you, Lord Jesus, as the God of all power and all love. Oh, Lord, we thank you for breaking away through the wall of sin by breaking your body for us. Oh, Lord, we thank you for then gathering your sheep and protecting them and feeding them now and always that you've opened a way for eternal pasture in heaven. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would continue to break our pride by the Spirit and help us to keep on trusting in you for deliverance from sin and access to heaven rather than ourselves or others. Oh, Lord, it's so easy for us to trust in ourselves or to trust in others who we can see rather than trust in the one we cannot see. But, Lord, we pray that you would always be our breaker and so we would have eternal life only in your name and give you glory and honour that you deserve. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.